to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and newhavenindependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to your Facebook page and go to New Haven Independent, look us up, and you can also hit C first. You can also see the stream on Green Haven Media Facebook page. Well, it is the beginning of August. I cannot believe it. It's Monday, August the 1st. I'm your host, Joe Lachance, and I'm here with my co-host, Hemp Farmer Lou. Uncle Lou Vega, how are you today? What's going on, good brother? You know, just uh, pushing forward on this. A little bit rainy, but, you know, the fields love it, and we're all happy to have it. It cooled it down a little bit rainy day here. Yeah, how, did the, the how did the crops do in the heat? Uh, they hate it. <laughs> right. That's what I figured, right? It's not yeah. their favorite. No. Um, when we have these really hot spells like this, I end up going out and spending almost eight hours feeding from a tank on the back of my truck. So Really? Yeah. We have like a 300-gallon tank. I throw it into the back of the bed of the truck and then just with a water pump, um, plug it plug it into my truck actually i take the plug and plug it into my truck and then i turn the water pump on and that's how i water from the top of the hill it takes eight hours it's one of the slowest most painful things you can imagine but when the heat like this happens it, it kind of you just gotta kind of do it you know what i mean well yeah what else can you do mother nature's not providing but now she is see just a little bit off that's right. That's right. The dogs love it. The dogs get to run around. So, you know, I've spent and the you last get to be weeks. outside, you know. Yeah, I spent the last couple of weeks reconnecting with the farm. So, you know. Good. And that's reconnected with nature, brother. We know that's always good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely. So we are, our guest Kibra is off for a little while right now. She'll pop in when she can. Who do we have on today's show, brother? And you know, We have Anna Rose Epstein on, and uh, we're going to go over the events in a second. Nice. As soon as I find them, there they are. <laughs> um, hold on. Let me get this back up. All right. There they are. All right. So we got some cool events this week, a couple that really struck out to me. Um, this one was cool. And these are your guys, your buddies. They're Chef for Hire. Is yep, doing... out in New York. Yeah, and it's on Wednesday night. There's really nothing else going on here in Connecticut. No, be... these are these are great events that if you get out, you do what, they, what we always considered uh, cannabis tourism. And networking <laughs> for people in the industry. I mean, you know, if you were in Connecticut, you're going to want to do some business or meet people from New York. And what a better place. And than... is it a good event, though? It's a great event, though. Seriously. Yeah, they're doing a Dominican. There. It's at um, High Garden, which is a pretty cool space down in New York. Uh, yeah, High Garden holds a bunch of different events. I see they do infused brunches. This one is Dominican, which what struck me. So it's a Caribbean themed dinner oh, yeah. so you're gonna get some real nice caribbean food there and that's wednesday the third at six o'clock so i thought that was a very interesting event that we should point out to our listeners um and of course we got still token with on wednesdays yeah and then we we got something called the reverse happy hour uh that's on thursday but the, i think what's reverse about it is it's an evening happy hour so it's from 9.30 to 1 a.m. 
So they're going to oh, have that's all an evening event. Interesting. You yeah, know, and then a big shout out to um, Sweet Leaf Living there, a CBD store. They're doing all these really cool events inside of their their location. Um, oh yeah, yeah, they got some coffee events. Um, they, I know they do regular events three times a week. You can find out more about those events. I think they're Mondays, Fridays, and Sundays, right? And you can find out about more of them if you go to Sweet Leaf Living. They also do the boxing and the Zumba. Those are good people. Nice, good friend of mine from Milford. Uh, so now the next event that also struck me is the New Haven Infused Pizza event. And that is Thursday, August 4th from 5 to 9. I saw the graphic on it. And it has... Um, Definitely Sally's, Pepe's, all the good uh, modern and bar, all the good pizza logos on there. So that ought to be a great event as well. Very tasty. We all love New Haven pizza. So uh, then on Saturday, we got a great event. And actually our guest from last week, Mark Bronstein, is speaking over there. And that is what is called Hempstock. 2022 and and if you know they had another one before but it's a great event a lot of hemp and cbd vendors and i'm sure you'll see a lot of your friends there and that is from 12 to 9 p.m and you can find tickets to that at hempstockct.com and you can find out all the things they got some great speakers a lot of good things going on up there hopefully be nice weather. So it should be a great time up there. Uh, that's in North Stonington. So it's upstate, but you know, you can always stop at the casino afterwards. Uh, and then um, Camorra's Kitchen has a couple of great events this weekend. She's doing a book launch uh, at the bazaar that she holds on Saturdays. And that's this Saturday, August the 6th. That goes from 5 to 8 p.m. So if you want to uh, find out more about that and you want to go see what they got going on, I believe it's like a nice children's climate change book. And uh, she's uh, launching that on Saturday. And Kamora is a good friend of the show, very cannabis friendly. So uh, we like to support her events. And, uh, you know, our good friend Brian Valencia does the local market every weekend. You want Where you to can find a bunch of different events. It's a, a bunch of different items. So it's... um. What yeah, cool. local crafts, different craft vendors and things like that, like actual. Yeah, it's very cool. It's got a good variety of different things. And of course, because it's the CBD is there, too, you can you can get that, too. So um, and then we got the Breakfast Club, which is held up at the Tetrahydra Club. That's something you might want to stop up on a Saturday yeah. morning. That ought to be fun. And, uh, you know, Kimura has another day on Sunday, a volunteer day up there. Um, so if you want to get a free membership to Kimura's Cultural Kitchen and come to her like beautiful labyrinth walks and her cannabis at the corner cultural events, uh, good ways to take and volunteer for the day. And you get the membership along with it. So it's kind of worth it. And you do cool things up there, help the place look nice. Um, it's, so a, that's it's a Sunday. good place. It's a good thing. And then taking that time to volunteer. Big shout out to uh, Christina and the entire crew. They, they're they always there volunteering. So big yeah, shout out to all of them. Yeah, Aaron. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very community supported place. And I urge anyone to go check out the labyrinth up there. It's very cool. Walking the labyrinth is a very cool thing. So you, you got to try it, especially when you're enjoying cannabis. So um, definitely. All right. So that is the events for the week. And, um, you know, while our guest gets on, Lou, I guess, you know, the big news in the industry, and I know you weren't here last week, but we did talk about Cindy Day. Yeah. We did lose Cindy Day. That was a sad thing. Um, she was definitely a pioneer. I was saying last week, she was one of the first people I met in the industry. And I know, you know, you did some work with her too. So big she, advocate, she did, yes, a big loss. And she fought a long fight. And um, yes, Sergio. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and that happened. And then, of course, we had the, you know, the uh, cultivator approvals, the social equity approvals 
by the Social Equity Council, which of course has been met with some controversy, which, you know, I had hoped wouldn't happen, but I kind of expected it, you know. And I know there's a few of the, the applicants, and I know this is a subject you can't really discuss, but um, and I'm just hoping that maybe the Social Equity Committee or the, uh, you know, the, uh, who's, who's doing the Department of uh, DPC. At this point, Joe, it's completely out of all of their hands. At this point, it is very clearly written that everybody has to go through an appeal process. And that's what's happening right now. So it makes it very stressful. And it's one of those things that's like, hey. Just right. Now, that's for the people who didn't program. get it. Now, right. the people who did get it, there are some questionable applications, whether they qualify as social equity applicants. Do you think that will be vetted out at this second phase? Is this second phase deep enough to root out those problems? And now it's that pretty they straightforward, been... Joe. Yeah. Um, if they had their information and the information was right, the third party auditor went through it. Um, like I said, Joe, it's not something I can talk about much, which is okay, but it's just clearly written on there. The next part is a whole bunch of different things. So this was just one part of it. Being a social equity applicant is one part of it. Then there was, there's a uh, workforce development plan. There's a community development plan. All those things weren't gone through in that first portion that will be reviewed over the next 14 months as per the legislation. So that's just where it is. My thoughts are, if the paperwork is done right, that's ultimately is all that's going to end up uh, mattering in this in this part of it. Now it's up to just seeing if everybody does what they say they're going to do. Right. You know? Right, right. So it's kind of a waiting game. And it sounds like the next phase is kind of a long process. You know, so we may be waiting quite a while before some of these dispensaries actually open. Okay. And um, all right. So the other news was the, um, the five dispensaries that were announced. And we haven't gotten a list of who they were. So, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll see where it is. Okay. We all know what, we, we all know what what is public tomorrow? There's a meeting and we'll see what's going on from there. Good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah. So our guest today is actually from Illinois. It's Anna Rose Epstein and Victoria Herring, and they're of true social equity in cannabis. And um, they are from Illinois. And what are they? They are advocates for social equity, uh, you know, with the Illinois legislator. I would say there's something similar to what a Cure CT is, was, or is. Uh, they provide, they also provide funding for uh, social equity applicants. There's a lot of things they do. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yep, yep. That's yep. pretty cool. So so they're they're a advocacy group similar to like Cure. Yes. Very yes. dumb. Yes. And are there is and then our other guest is another podcast. Correct, Joe? Which one is that, Lou? Our second guest, right? Oh, the, yeah, I think she, uh, I have Anna Rose Epstein and Victoria Herring of True Social Equity in Cannabis. We don't, all right. And, oh, yes, you're right. You're right, Lou. You are right. Weed the People is, Weed the, po the, people. is the podcast. You are right. Lou, you know, <laughs> sometimes you're more on top of things than me. But I don't know yes. what you're talking about, Joe. You sent me a flyer. Yes, Weed the People is the podcast. So <laughs> that's right. Oh man, Joe, this has been a long week, man. It's it's uh it's pretty interesting what everything got going on right now. 
Yeah, so. what's the, I noticed that you're also you're working with other um, other suppliers around the state. So, um, and I wanted to know: Are you going to this hemp stock thing on Saturday? I'll be there as a regular individual. Nothing crazy. I'm just going to go in, support as we can support and continue to go. We're still on the Connecticut Hemp Industry Association and we still have to keep moving forward and working. Right. So we're still we're still pushing the hemp sphere Um, as the season comes to an end. CBD has been at its like lowest price point in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Secondary cannabinoids has been a big, big, big focus on everything. And then separating terpenes. Actually, our friends over at Sweet Heel do a, like a free terpene demonstration. Joe, is you, you you're drinking a monster? Is that a green just vessel you're using? A green Arizona. Oh, uh-huh, because it disappears on your screen. Yeah, because I got a green screen behind me. <laughs> <laughs> but... I got you. Oh, you got one too. See, we have the same kind of taste. I have to say the Arizona is the stoner beverage of choice. I just. Absolutely. Still 99 cents. You can't go wrong. You know what else I wanted to ask you? I saw in the store the other day. What? Delta 10. What is Delta 10 now? Tell These me are if... those secondary cannabinoids I was talking about. <laughs> um. It's... I have like CBN. It's a very popular secondary cannabinoid. The sleepy time, they say, right? Right. So I have hemp from three years ago that we stored properly. It oxidized. And now the THC has diminished out of it. And now that has been converted through time and oxidation into CBN. Then we extract that. And then we get the raw CBN. Um, Initially full spec and then uh, isolated out and separated out into a more concentrated CBN distillate. So those are uh, those secondary cannabinoids. So now you're talking about Delta 10. So as Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, these are those cannabinoids that make the THC portion of it. So they have the altering effects, but not as heavily. Still consider it diet weed because it is derived from hemp. So right. that, that's that's the big thing from it. It's derived from hemp. Um, it's a conversion. And, you know, it's converted. So there is a synthesis process that goes on in the lab. And then it's converted. And it's zero THC delta nine. But there is delta 10 derived from hemp, which means it has an extra molecule. Right. Um, so you don't get as loopy doopy, but you know, you get just a little, it's diet weed that's legal and it's a loophole through hemp production. Like I said, we still have to work in the hemp here. So we got to do something, right? I agree. No, I agree. And, and I think, you know, people may criticize because it is synthesized, but the truth of the matter, this is why we legalized it so we could use every part of that plant and research it and find out what other cannabinoids terpenes phytocannabinoids could be medically beneficial or psychoactively beneficial whatever you're looking for a lot of people use this for anxiety it's not all about pain well big portion of that joe is as it starts getting pharmaceutical like it or not the pharmaceutical companies are going to start are getting are getting into it they're not going to use whole plant that's something they're not going to do a pharmaceutical company isn't going to go in and say well we're going to use whole plant for this what they're going to do is get a strain they like find the strains or you know the, they'll find their flower style that they like the most that hits the head and you know they'll do all the sciencey things to it and then what will happen is they'll say okay let's call it call it scientists one second i got the dogs here man <laughs> oh really all right so anyway, no, this has been a really good conversation. Right. Well, so what's going to end up happening, say they pick, call the cultivar, 
Super Weed 9985. All right? Because that's the way they'll name it. Something stupid. And then they'll send it through a mass spectrometer, and it's going to say it's going to have this cannabinoid, that cannabinoid, this, that, and the other. Then they're going to say, okay, well, we're not going to grow solely this strain because there'll be different phenotypes, there'll be different grow conditions, there'll be all the different things. What they'll say is, all right, we can do large-scale cultivations of anything that are high in these items. So now we know that the plant that we like and the makeup we like is 10% this, 5% this, 3% this, 2% this, and they say, this is what we need. Then they'll go and they'll do a large harvest of something, figure something like my Hawaiian haze that we grew that was high in CBG. Say they need 10% CBG to form, make their formulation. They'll take and they'll get the uh, extract, the distilled, the distilled cannabinoid and just start mixing them in those ratios, you know? Right, right. So this is kind of the hemp industry's way of beating, I don't know, I don't know if they're assisting Big Pharma by, <laughs> by isolating all these cannabinoids for them. But well, once again, the hemp farmer is not necessarily a cannabis farmer. Usually a hemp farmer is an agriculturalist that just added it to their, to their field so now they're selling it to hopefully whatever regional buyer comes in and do, does it um there's like like in, in at least in connecticut bigelow tea they do their own um hemp buying you know what i mean and then, then separating out the small farms that do their own brands and then they wholesale or distribute out um or companies that are in state that are now integrating cbd they they have somebody that'll go around so like a tea company would use their tea buyer would go in and check different farms and, you know, check it out and see what's up and then purchase the product and then work with them to integrate it into their manufacturing processes. So it's, op the field is opening up, but right. if this, if the buyer is like Purdue or somebody like that, that's like, okay, cool. We're going to use this one farm because this is the farm and they do the extraction and they do this, that, and the other. And they put the story behind it and do the marketing and everything. It, it provides a livelihood for that farmer now. Well, I think the uh, hemp industry had to evolve because the, at one point there was too many hemp farmers, but not enough demand for CBD because everyone was focusing on CBD. And, and I think so, it, forced, it forced the industry to expand. In, in the Northeast, there was almost 100,000 hemp farmers and then like a thousand processors. And we're talking seven, eight states. You know what I mean? Right, right. So there were many, many, many more acres than there were processors. Right. So, yeah. So that started to become a problem in the hemp industry. And of course, they're being the innovative people they are. They started figuring out new ways to extract new cannabinoids and get new uses for it. And, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, we had to, Joe. It, I we agree. To, bro. Like, it, it got, you can't, we, everybody was ice, pulling out for CBD, getting isolated. <clears throat> everybody pulling out the crude from the mass amount of hemp that everybody grew. And then you, you process some out. But as a hemp farmer and processor, say, you process your first three liters you don't need to really process anything else for a year for yourself that, that's right. gonna it's gonna make you a million products realistically yeah people yeah. don't realize how little of the distillate that you actually need to make products right. because it's so concentrated you're right. talking that's a, you know that's a concentrated form of of your of your cannabinoids whatever they right. might be and so what do you do with the rest of the hemp? You have to sell it to somebody or no, use it? you keep processing it. So now you process, either you store it or process out. We, it took us, man, it took us a year and a half to process the first year's harvest. And then took us another year and a half to process the second year's harvest. By this time, you have an entire harvest already still in storage and it's processing it out to like crude and then you got five gallon buckets of straight first pass crude and right you know what are you doing with that now now you have to start looking at the secondary cannabinoids now you see the entire makeup of what your crude is and instead of just isolating your cbd out you now start saying okay well we're isolating cbg out or we're isolating cbn out 
or you start running them in batches with cows where you start switching out the flask and, you know, actually isolating things and moving up the temperature ranges and then washing them. And, you know, you have to start separating out your terpenes. Now you start taking extra care into the hemp processing as if you were a craft cannabis person, but just on a larger scale. Right, right. And there are people right here in Connecticut doing it. So that's a good thing. And you also now are selling, I would say, hemp itself to the big guys, right? People like Cureleaf, people that, um, could, because now, from what I understand, only they can sell CBD products in dispensaries, correct? Right. So now and they don't the grow hemp. Grow it's it, not cost effective. Right. And to grow hemp for them would be not cost effective. So as a hemp processor and agriculturalist and farmer um, with these new 16 individuals and everybody else who's moving on, I really hope to become a supplier for these individuals. You know what I mean? So it opens right. up, it opens up a new market for a lot of people. So if these are the only people that can supply CBD into the dispensaries, then it, these become your new clients. Um, Cause it's right. harder for us to get into the dispensaries than any other way, you know? Right. But then again, the, 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 I would say mom and pop, there are a few chains CBD stores. That industry to me, at least, well, from what I've seen in Connecticut is really starting to blossom and grow to whereas I see three new stores. I see three new stores opening up within this month. Um, so I know one of them is CBD plus and the other was obviously the one we talked about earlier Q over Q and um, the last one is CT CT hemp and um, you know I think we're going to have CT hemp the CT uh, hemp products guy on next week Kenny and then we're going to have uh, Brian from Q over Q is coming on next the week after that. So I want to talk to these CBD store owners and like find out what the market is like out there. What what you know, what motivated them to open up brand new CBD stores at this time? <laughs> well, it's an adventure and it's hard and we're seeing it more and more. Sorry, we're seeing more and more. Uh, today was bring your work to dog, bring your uh, dog to work day. Okay, uh, so it is what it is. Yeah. yeah, people maybe dog people or not, but I big big dogs. We uh, whatever. I don't know how to work this thing. <laughs> I've seen your dogs though. There they are. Somebody's at your door. They just want to get out. Those are big boys. Big dogs. Yeah. Nobody's right. coming around it's there, right. man. People are working. Nobody's so, coming around uh, there. That's we're on air. I know people doggies, doggies, we're on air. What this <laughs> is what happened when the COVID happened, and we're not able to come into the office and things like that anymore. Now we broadcast from home. Yeah, no, exactly right. So I think a couple of weeks ago you had the chickens clucking. I had the chickens clucking last week. Yeah, uh, they were visiting me. Uh so you know. I get frogs here at night. The, oh, the, the bogeys. <laughs> yeah. They always sing me to sleep. It's, it's, you know, it's a different experience of life down here. You know what? I am, I will be out there in February. So I'm going to take some time and go out. Uh, I'm going to Utah in the beginning at the, for four days. I'm going to just go out. And drive from Salt Lake City to Phoenix in oh, five it's a days. Drive, it's beautiful. I'm just gonna take the drive, stop at a couple of national parks, and like do camping along the way, and then fly out of Phoenix back down this way, and call it a day, call it a week. But just I tried to two years ago. I went to the Grand Canyon, you know. So I want to continue doing that whole area is uh, riddled. So I'm gonna think I'm gonna go to like to Zion National Park and a couple other national parks and basically just camp and smoke a blunt as the sunset goes down and try to remember. And Utah is not cannabis friendly. So this is going to no, be one of those. They are not. 
They are not, but Arizona is. So Arizona is the <laughs> go. They are yeah. the guy. And you they are go. right about that area. I spent quite a bit of time out there. Uh, Grand Canyon is beautiful. Uh, in Arizona, Sedona, if you can make it out there, is the vortex capital. The vortexes bro. are there, brother. I've been there a couple times. I got to do some yoga in Sedona. I got to do the vortex. I got to relax. This was two years ago, and this was my. <clears throat> I joke about it. All right, I joke about it, but my god brother is like a D-list celebrity down there. Okay. All right. He uh, danced for America. He did America's Best Dance Crew and won. So down there, he's still like a DJ and all that other stuff and danced in Las Vegas, did the whole night. So now he retired and is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, young dude, retired. He's just DJ for the party area. And it's all party, party, party. It's pretty, it's interesting. Florida is a, par- I mean, Arizona is a party. Party, party. Party, state. party central like the bars are outside the restaurants are outside like everything was outside you walk through a gate and it was no roof no nothing i was like y'all what happens if it rains well it rains yeah, you can take the drinks from bar to bar you can take gups to go it's real cool. it was crazy there oh. we, there's our guest all right Yay. well lou it's been a great chat i think people should go to hamstock and talk to you and learn more about these cannabinoids because I sure as hell learned a lot. All right, brother. Now let's continue on. Introduce our guest there, brother. All right. Hold on. We So sorry. We That was my bad. I got the time wrong. We're all over the place. <laughs> well, you're here now. We have some time. So How um, late are we? Are we only 15 minutes late? Yes. Okay. So we still have, have some time. Where we pop in. Yeah, don't worry. You still have time. So this is Anna, Anna Rose Lee Epstein and Victoria Herring of True Social Equity in Cannabis and We the People, the podcast. So um, True Social Equity in Cannabis's mission is a diverse economic engine that provides financial resources. Oh, you don't have to read all that. That's like, that's still a work in progress. That was for All you. right, then let you know what? Since we, we all, <laughs> let's go right to it. You, all right, tell us a little bit about the organization. And I think both me and Lou always want to know what is, you know, true social equity, because I don't think, that's my opinion, We've seen it yet in any in any state that's really legalized cannabis. I don't think we've seen any true social social equity yet. So yeah, you're tell right. us a little bit about it. Um, what what do you believe true social equity is, and how can we achieve it? Um, so true social equity in cannabis started because um, my wife and and three other badass black women in Chicago applied for a social equity license. Um, it came out and we're all legacy. It came out that um, 21 groups would be receiving the 75 dispensary licenses. And we were fucking pissed and started protesting. And I started a page, true social equity in cannabis to call out the BS surrounding the, the, the people that the government had chosen to be social equity. And then throughout the, and uh, Anna Rose E.E. E. Epstein is, is the name. Um, through, throughout that, I met Vitoria through the protesting, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, she might be. Um, She's here. And so, yeah, that's so Vi and I um, have been fighting. We, we are anti corporation. We do not take money from corporations. We don't fuck with them in any way because they're just liars. They will lie to your face or they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear and then lie and then do whatever the hell they want. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted to remind you, we are on FM radio. Sorry. Uh, So you got (laughs) to watch that. I hope we didn't get in trouble for that already, but yeah, we are one of the lucky people that does get to be broadcast on FM radio, but thank you. So the way I'm understanding it is there were 75 licenses supposedly to be assigned and only 21 people. So it's all, they were giving out triple licenses to the same people, the same people, instead of just getting one license each and giving them the 75 people, they gave them the 21 people and they gave them three or maybe two. And then some people five or four 
but they divided those 75 licenses up amongst 21 people. And that's what I'm understanding. From uh, well, I mean, that was or not people, but in, it's so much more complicated than that. But Joe, that's the beginning out. gist of it, because <laughs> yeah. obviously we have to get into who those people ended up being and were they social equity applicants in the first place. Right. Yeah. Because well, that and, always comes into question. Right. And and Vi, Vi you should introduce yourself and, and say, like, mm-hmm. you know, where you're coming from, too. Yeah, please do. Bye. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Victoria Herring. And as Anna Rose was saying, we met uh, really in the movement of cannabis that was happening uh, in Illinois because the process um, with it was just not transparent. Um, you could tell from the very beginning that they were botching it up based on the spirit of the law. It was a lot more in-depth than just having 21 people that have perfect score. It's really what we're talking about that ended up, quote unquote, being able to receive a license. The law allowed for people to even apply for 10 licenses at a time. Unfortunately, there were corporations that were coming into our state that um, understood how to work around the law. Um, I guess you could say they were creative in their efforts um, because then they had shell companies that they were utilizing. And, you know, instead of 10 applications, they would have 30 or 50 applications. So it really didn't leave the odds in the favor of you know, the mom and pop and the people that were actually a part of the social equity community that were affected by the war on drugs. Um, I actually was an applicant as well and decided not to apply at the last minute because I was being backdoored by uh, a large company, um, Verano, that um, had me on 30 licenses and uh, my equity, and which is also illegal. But these are things that you know were, were displayed in our contract, our operating agreements. Um, and so then along the line, you know, just going through the process and being really disgusted that our communities are being left out still yet again. It's it's enough that we've been the most oppressed in this country, let alone to be left out of a process that you were trying to say was for the benefit of growing our communities and for the wrongs that were established. Um, and so, you know, Anna Rose and I met and she was, um, filming a lot of footage for the documentary that she was making along the way, just like-minded individuals decided to come together and really try to make change. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to get a little background on Illinois. Now you guys did have a medical program before you were legalized, correct? So there was already corporate presence in Illinois while the laws for legalization were being passed. So uh, we had the same problem in Connecticut. Therefore, those corporate entities that were already in place through the medical use their influence in not only probably in the creation of the law, but in the implementation of the law as well, correct? Uh, yes, hundred percent, and uh, I would and, say a little bit of both. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, both. And they didn't only and and within the law, they received an additional license per however many licenses they already have to sell. So if they already had five licenses plus one. Yeah, for a dispensary, they had five more licenses when rec happened. Just. Automatically, automatically included. Right. And that just got passed through in the bill because, hey, you know, they've been they've been putting in the work, you know, they've been supplying. They deserve a piece of the not. I agree. They deserve a piece of it, but they don't deserve. No, they don't. They don't deserve anything. They know. They do not deserve anything, and especially with with how they have treated us social equity people. They have they have torn the um, the wound from the war on drugs and and made a whole other new one for a social equity war and and claim that it's to help people. And it's not to help people. It's to help their pockets. And the only reason why they're getting away with it, unfortunately, is because there's a whole bunch of people that are so young um, to the point where they they've never known what it was to be to have a illegal um, scenario. So and not even know, that, it's also because unfortunately, um, it, a lot of the people within the community really feel like and, and, and hold 
to the spirit of the law that is going to make generational wealth. Unfortunately, that generational wealth has yet to be trickled down to the very communities that it has impacted. And, and it's been promised for years. Time and time and time and time it's been again. promised for years. I mean, cannabis to me was the one chance, the one new industry, the one industry it's that not obviously. It's industry, it's a plant. It's oh, a plant yeah, the plant. You're right. For commerce. For, okay, for so, small yeah. businesses. Let's and that's do, what yeah, it should be. Right. That's you're what right. it you're always right. should right. have been. That's what it was. That's what it currently still is. And the sham that it's an industry and all these new products that that they're making, pushing it, pushing it out, saying that vapes are good for you and that we don't have we don't know long term effects on vapes. And yet they're like pushing all these products. And I mean, there's so many organizations that are like this group, Sam, that I don't agree with. I, oh, my God. Never mind. <laughs> They, but they I, have a point as far as um, the, 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 the commercialization, you know, I got to tell you. And also the, the the potency of the product nowadays, like is is way more extreme in the sense that um, the, the products that they're putting out they're they're they think that people want the highest THC and they're pushing the propaganda to make people think that simultaneously while they think it it's because they're they don't know what they're doing and they just care about the money that's why I'm saying Joe that they have no place in this and they need to get the fuck out sorry they need to get out of this before I, I keep telling everyone who has stock in the in the cannabis industry to get out because ultimately, I know you probably love cannabis and you think it's the right thing for you. My w- wife is telling me to calm down. Yeah, well, yeah, well yeah. because the thing about it you is this. Weed, head, take a hit, take it, a hit, take a hit. The thing about it is this. They call it an industry because it's, it's more than medicine. It is also medicine, but it is also a plant that can sustain an entire economy. Right. It is a, right. a renewable natural resource that it also helps with medicine in order to heal. And so that's why it's an industry because it is an industry of industries. There's multiple different areas and ways that you could come about it. Unfortunately, um, on the other side of that coin, it's called an industry because of the capitalistic corruption that, is, that, that has occurred within it and for, for just a money game. And, and, and it hasn't been diversified in a way that that number one helps heal, as Anna was was saying, the the effects of the war on drugs to the people. That's that, what that I'm damaged, talking about, right? Right. In addition to provide a landscape for other people in order to make the world a better place. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. When we're talking about coming from the soul, 70s. Right? I mean, we're talking since the 70s. This war on drugs has been raging and it has affected so many people. Earlier than that, because it also was a, a was a part of slavery. So Absolutely. even, even yeah. beyond I mean, that, this yeah, country yeah. was founded on making sure you know that, that they profit off oppression. So I agree. Joe, I mean that's how asked, they made it illegal, right? So Joe, you asked me earlier what 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 my definition of true social equity yeah, is. Yeah, let's get back to that. Yeah, it's changed a lot because that's one of the questions that I ask the people that I interview. So I want to know your answer as well. Um, but f- right now, my definition of true social equity would be the ability for legacy to legal to transition into their current the, the current operations that they have transition into a legal market. So they're still operating the way that the business, that their current business operates. They can keep their clients. They can keep whatever um, sources that they're able to obtain. And it's legal. They just pay some And taxes. I'll add to that. And I'll add to that, that, that is free from restrictions and incarceration. Um, so that we're able to have a business and an enterprise just like any other business or enterprise that a person could think of. And those effects of that income trickles back down to the most divested communities so that those can be risen as well from education to medical care and, and, and all the way down to our politics, to our trash, to our police who don't police us. They actually brutalize us. And it, it's it's a larger conversation, but to add on to what she was saying, that's right. that's real, true social equity. 
Yeah, the taxes should not be going to to these BS um, nonprofits that are supposedly giving back to the people who have been affected by the war on drugs. Like it's all front. We all and half of those. And not a smoke, I was gonna say right, and not a smoke and mirrors way. <laughs> right, and half of the organizations are are run like underground by these nonprofits. So Joe and other guests, I would love to know what y'all's definition of true social equity in cannabis is. And um, I, I'm seeing in Connecticut, a lot of people working with these MSOs. I personally um, disagree with that, but we've also seen that a lot in Illinois. And we've seen those people um, really not be advocates for what what I think true social equity is. They, they have different, different definitions. So love to hear y'all's thoughts. All right, so my definition of, tr- of true social equity, okay, it has a couple different levels to it, but it, my definition for true social equity is what my definition for the world is, and that means we all have a level playing field. We're all equal no matter where we come from, and especially those who have been harmed need to be the first in line to be taken care of again. Period, period. Period, right. So, and when I say many different levels, I mean on all levels of what we would call the industry. So that means legacy. I'm a proponent of letting it be farmer's markets style. Do you know what I mean? With anybody who can participate, if you have to license it, license it, but allow those licenses and make sure the money and the tax money goes right back into the community. And I think on the next level of the bigger dispensaries and all that, those have to be owned by people who live in that community, just like the corner store is, just like the guy in the liquor store who you know because his family lives on your block, you know? It's that kind of equity I'm talking about where everybody can be included and it's all the same cost. It's the same cost for anyone. If you look at how a liquor license is structured, it's- it's, Don't compare uh, it to that. Don't compare it. Well, if you have to deal, I look, I would hope you'd never (laughs) have to deal with the state, but if you have to, you have to make the licenses A, Probably a well, little every less. business has to deal with the state. And so we yeah, keep talking about a license. To, look, I, would I think love that that's it. the first thing that we should remove is just a license, yeah, period. I right? agree. Um, or have it you, be more like a massage license. Like I'm a massage therapist. That's I what I mean. $240 for every two I'm a grower. Year. I'm a small grower. It costs me 100 250 a year, whatever, you know? Yeah. You're right. That's what I'm talking about. And those are the people who could go to the farmer's markets and sell, you know? But there also have to be a lane for the healers because there are the growers and there are the healers and they're both legacy and both important. I mean, there are also like the transport people, the people. I believe that's a great way to incorporate (laughs) the current medical marijuana industry, which, of course, could take a hit, you know, and you don't want it to take a hit. Oh, no, we want it to take a hit. We want their stocks to go down. We but I don't want to see exist. the doctors not have work anymore. And I don't doctors want Doctors will have plenty of work. There are sick people out there. Doctors will always have work. That's why they become, they became doctors. No, I mean, don't, <laughs> don't, don't be afraid of the doctors. Like, oh, so and you would also, like to even see the medical industry go? No, no, there shouldn't be a recreational industry. But there yeah, shouldn't she, she misheard you. And so that's just, oh, okay. Okay. there shouldn't be a me- uh, sorry, Vi, do you want to do you want to touch on this? Because I'm angry, obviously. Because I think it's important. Don't be angry at me. Please. I'm angry in general. I'm, Joe. I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going on out there, because obviously Connecticut has its own issues. So yeah. by hearing what I hear about Illinois, I can kind of learn you're a little bit ahead of us. I can kind of learn what could what is already starting to come in Connecticut because we're a little bit behind. We were actually hosting weekly Sunday um, meetings for two hours for like six months where we would bring we would allow whoever wanted to come into the Zoom to have a conversation so that we could help spread the word on what was happening with the monopolization of corporate cannabis and how it's Mm -hmm. a world health and safety issue. And we actually had. you know, uh, Lewis and, um, uh, Christina and, um, 
Duncan. Duncan. I mean, we've had, we've had, and, and I, and I like respect them so much and um, the work that they do, they all do very different things and it's all really important. You know um, I'm, I'm a big, I'm for come from theater too. So I'm a big proponent of collaboration. Um, However, I've found in the last three years that trying to collaborate with people that want to work with um, the devil and take blood money is not really something I can do anymore. I don't have the same values as them. And um, I just have to let that go. I just have to be like, all right, we're not, (laughs) I'm not trying anymore with you. Sorry. Right, 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 right. No, I understand. I understand. So um, we only got a few more minutes. I want to talk real quick about weed the people. Now, yeah, yeah tell, so tell me. So We the People is an organization that, that, that we actually saw that was necessary to have because when you just look at the injustices that are, are currently happening, um, it's only getting worse. The restrictions are, are coming even more so. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, we decided in order to create a, a political action committee in order to take out the old thought leaders, the old leadership, in the political space because they are just not doing any service for us. They are doing a disservice and really support those who support freeing the people and freeing the plant within the medicinal industry and the medicinal right. culture. Right. Because as we see, we can't do anything about the industry. The industry is there so that yeah. big pharma can come in and create big cannabis. And that's what we're watching and that's what we're seeing. Well, I'm and afraid big pharma is going to make big medicine too. I mean, I'm really afraid like the medicinal part is going to get in their hands as well. You know, that's and why I think education people is really aren't even important. looking at that. Me and Lou were just yeah. talking about that. Yeah. The big farm, especially hemp, all those yeah. cannabinoids yes. you can pull from hemp, you know, and they can pull mumbo jumbo within the federal laws to make it go their way. And I think people need to keep their eye, especially on this federal law that yes. they're trying to pass. There's some sneaky stuff in there as well. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a replica of, of, of these states. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's kind it's, of more than, it's more than keeping an eye, Joe. I'm sorry. It's more than keeping an eye. It's being, it's, right. it's being, it's making people be held accountable <laughs> um, and also calling it out. So Joe, I have to do that for you. I'm sorry. Like I, I haven't been able to speak to your co-host, but I taught, I saw your episode, um, where talking about the controversy in Connecticut and, and I I guess like your two co-hosts are from my understanding connected to, um, to multi-state operators. They were, they were basically their, their social equity person on applications. Right. And I heard they didn't win licenses. Sorry about that y'all. Um, (laughs) but like, is, yeah, I, I really don't like to discuss that on air, but I discuss it in private with them. Um, personally, okay, I have no intention of ever pairing up with an MSO. Um, I, you know, I'm, I do believe that they're not going to go away um, unless, you know, the laws radically change. So it's almost like a situation where you have to coexist and that's what you have to fight for. Is it, but I know you don't agree with that. And I would love to see you succeed in your quest because I have, and I don't know if you've seen any States that have come close to true social equity in their laws But I'm almost thinking, and this just came to me while I'm talking to you, that a state without any medical, without anything, is a better place to start from scratch and try and get in there from the beginning and have them see the light, almost like Vermont kind of um you know we know what kind of vermont is but they started out very slow with just making it legal and home grow only just to see how that worked and then now their retail industry is stri- strictly restricted to vermont residents only 
So they, they're trying to keep the MSOs out from the start. And I'm sure that their incarceration rate in Vermont for people. Right. That's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, it's not a state. still very high. Not a state. Uh, yeah, right. so I don't know if they're getting it right either. But um, I think the all mechanics of, the of it. are coming online, the, those MSOs are seeing that and they're they're going and lobbying. They're, they are ahead of us in that way because yeah. they have the money from the legal. Well, that's what you're fighting is money. And, and, and I get it. You know, look, we we went through the same battle just to get it legal in Connecticut. We we thought the opponents of legalization were our opponents, but our real biggest opponents were the lobbyists for the corporate. But, Which is the corporations. So you not work they have right. seven it's lobbyists, seven, seven lobbyists to yeah. own none. We had no money. And this Better. is not just happening within the rec- within the so- social. That's why people also have to use their though. voice. Yeah. People have to well, use their voice because the power really is in the people. And you have to get active in any way that you can to make sure that you don't leave it up to the lobbyists. We are the lobbyists. The lobbyists. Right. We have to be the you lobbyists. You and you and you. You know we what I'm saying? Um, but we have to find unity in what it is that that means so that we can actually go against the federal, you know, um, policies yeah. that are trying that's, to be. That's going to be the real fight. You know, I mean, the um, real fight is also is saying, look, people, marginalized people, you can't just take the crumbs anymore. You have to actually fight for true social equity, not social equity. That's right. the real fight, too. Like they're dividing us. They've made this into a race war again. This is they've made it into. Yeah, they made the society into that. But no, listen, they didn't make it into a race war. That's what the world and, and society and the system and our government has done. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Now it's just coming to a head. Any law that is about the war on drugs, when you look at it, um, especially in our incarceration system, we are the most people that have been incarcerated. So unfortunately, it's not that they just made it. It always comes down to that, especially right. in this issue. All right. I'm getting this sign that we have to get off the air. Give us a how we get in touch with you Thank real you quick. Thank you for having us on the show. Thank you, guys. I heard you're coming to Connecticut soon, so we'll be looking for you. And just tell us real quick how to get in touch with you. Um, we're most active on True Social Equity and Cannabis on Instagram. And then we have like a link on there. But we're also on YouTube. And we have some like five minute and 17 minute um, clips from uh, from the very start of social uh social equity in Illinois. And, um, you know, we can, you can find us on other things. Well, good. <laughs> hey, keep up the good fight. I really commend you for what you're doing out there. You're, you're putting it to the corporate entities and you're putting it to the government and, you know, we need more people like you. So thank you very much for coming on. Okay. Thank you. We'd love to talk to your nice other scene. cohorts at some point as well. Well, if you do come to Connecticut, if you do come to Connecticut, you'll probably run into them at an event or something. Okay. We tend to not go to corporate events. No, they don't either. They go to the underground events. That's where they get their reach. Anyway, I (laughs) You think they buy it? I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I was going to clean my room until I got high. I was going to get up and find the broom. But then I got high. Uh, my room is still messed up. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed. But I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester, and I know why, why, man, yeah, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high. Go to the next, go to the next, go to the next. Uh. I was gonna go to court before I got high. I was gonna pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wasn't. Uh. They took my whole paycheck, and I know why, why, yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high, because I got high. La, da, 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 da. I wasn't gonna run from the cops, but I was high. Uh, I'm serious, man. I was gonna pull right over and stop, but I was high. Uh, <laughs> now I'm a paraplegic, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, because I got high, because I got high, because I got high. La, make love to you, but then I got high, I'm serious, I was gonna eat your 